When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So good morning, Charged Up Studio listeners, and welcome back to another episode where you get charged up for success. I'm Dana Olivo, your host and CEO of Marketatomy LLC. Today, we've got a very exciting podcast for you. Our topic today focuses on what a small business can learn from Jeff Bezos and Amazon. Steve Anderson is an expert in strategic risk and business development. Drawing on decades of experience in the insurance industry, he wrote the Bezos Letters, 14 Principles to Grow Your Business Like Amazon, which has become a Wall Street Journal, USA Today, and international bestseller. With hundreds of thousands of followers, Steve was handpicked by LinkedIn as one of the world's most influential thought leaders. Let's all please welcome to Charged Up Studio, Mr. Steve Anderson. Thank you so much, Dana. I appreciate you having me on the show. Second time around is a charm here. So, <laughs> Yes, it is. For those of you who don't know, we had a problem with our last recording. I had to invite Steve back to record again. So hopefully this one will be even better than the first recording. <laughs> we, we have some practice now, don't we? We have some practice. So welcome, Steve. Oh, so thank you. Amazon has definitely come out on the right side of the COVID pandemic over the last 20 months or so. Let's talk a little bit about that. What are your thoughts, Steve? Well, I think there's no question, you know, Amazon was maybe as surprised as all of us were in uh, March of 2020 when you know, we thought maybe, what, a week, 10 days, two weeks at the outside that we were going to have this problem. And it wasn't that. We certainly learned that. And Amazon got hit in terms of volume as, as people were, you know, having to stay home, not being able to go out, not wanting to go out. They turned to Amazon, which is kind of a first point really interesting positioning on their part, right? They had been working for 26 years or so to be the online everything store. And that certainly got tested in, uh, in early 2020. And they, I, I would say they stumbled some in the very beginning. And because of their experience with scaling for their normal peak period, which is holiday you know, October, November, December, they knew what to do. So they were able to quickly pivot, scale, and, and start getting those packages that we all were ordering to us in, in a, in maybe not exactly two days, 
but uh, certainly in a, in a timely manner. And for a lot of people, they became the, their lifeline, right? For getting stuff. And you're absolutely right. My husband is the king of online order. We have something delivered here every single day almost, okay? Um, but what I love about Amazon is their ability to think outside the box. So why is Bezos the master of risk and, and how do you know when you're taking too much risk or not enough? Yeah, that really is the, the thought that became the basis for the book that I put together, being in the insurance industry as long as I've had, and last 25 years, really focusing on technology and how the industry could use it and adapt it. I started asking exactly that question, is the biggest risk business face today actually not taking enough risk? And it was directly related to the speed at which technology was coming at us. You know, it was faster and faster. And in the past, businesses had some time, you know, 12, 18, maybe 24 months to kind of sit back and say, oh, I don't know about this. Let's let's explore this. Let's study it. I don't know how I don't know if we should do this or not. And and now, you know, it's six months, three months. I mean, it's a lot shorter time period. And I think what really attracted me to Bezos and Amazon is this thought process he has that failure is a natural part of business growth. Now, I always want to say at Amazon, failure is not just let's throw it against the wall, see what happens. It's a very strategic, mindful process where they try and figure out, okay, where could the failures come and how can we prevent them? And at the end of the day, Amazon has had some massive failures and they didn't, uh, probably the best way to say it is, seldom do they fire people for failure. They will fire people for incompetence and doing the same mistake over and over again. But Bezos understood and built a culture around what I call encouraging successful failure. That's one, that's my first principle for, for growing, which is in order to invent, you have to experiment. And when you experiment, you have to understand that those experiments could fail. And that's part of the process. The question is, are you learning enough through those failures that you can then prevent more failures in the future? Right, right. And we've always heard lessons learned, thinking after the fact uh, are the biggest lessons that you can learn in life. You know, uh, I'm an example of that. Absolutely. And and I kind of go back to the core of your question, how can Amazon continue to invent? I think it's partly because of this mindset. And and again, one of my other principles is dynamic invention and innovation. And frankly, I think that's where a lot of businesses have it backwards. They keep saying we need to innovate. Well, I, I actually think they need to invent. So they need to experiment. So they can invent something new on behalf of the customer. And that allows them to innovate that new invention, new platform, new process, new product, even more as they go. And again, Amazon is a great example of that process. And I love, you said two things in there that are critical that we point out. Okay. First of all, is the invention, the invention side of 
always thinking ahead. What can you introduce that's new in the market? Okay, whether it's service or product base or whatever that meets the new customer demands, the customer requirements. And the other thing you said there is the customer, meeting customers' needs. It's all about customer-obsessed business. And that is exactly what Amazon is all about. When you think about the fact that now, when you originally, when we originally started talking, you talked about two-day delivery, you know, three-day delivery, that type deal. Now you can get products the same day you get them. Yes. And and again, my principle is, is obsess over customers. What Bezos says is the same thing. And, and, I think his choice of words is interesting. And I've always thought that seldom do you hear businesses talk about obsessing over customers. They talk about customer focus, customer service, customer journey, right? Those kinds of things. But obsessing has a different connotation to it. And the customer is really at the center of of everything um, Amazon does. In fact, I, I I pulled up the 97 letter and he talks about obsessing over customers. And, and I'm quoting now, um, from the beginning, our focus has been on offering our customers compelling value. We realized that the web was and still is the worldwide weight. So this is 97, right? <laughs> Therefore, we set out to offer customers something they simply could not get any other way and began serving them with books. So again, always focused on the customer. Uh, and even back to your husband, right? The reason I think, at least what I hear when I ask the question, why buy on Amazon? It's easy. Convenience. And from the convenient and easy, I can get it. And from the very beginning, that was a core mindset of Bezos in developing what we now know as a, what, almost a, a trillion and a three-quarter valued company. Huge. No, what I absolutely love, you know, um, this week has been the week from hell. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, on top of the, the, the problems we were having with Zoom, you know, which they have fixed, guys. So <laughs> no, no bad-mouthing Zoom here, okay? But the other thing is I had a monitor go out. Uh, LCD monitors. Yeah. Um, so, and, and I've gotten so used to two monitors. Yes. I don't it's really know. hard to go to one, isn't it? <laughs> and I don't want to go out to the store. It's just like with my cell phone. I don't want to go out to the cell phone, um, you know, my service provider to find out what's wrong with my cell phone. I just right. want it to work. <laughs> right. That's all That's I want. Exactly I was able right. to go on Amazon and do some price shopping. And I found a new monitor. $244. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's just amazing. And it's going to be delivered today. Yeah. You know, exactly. I just, I love the convenience and the price point. Amazon always has good prices. And they're yeah. not always the cheapest. Um, no. And exactly what you say, they have good pricing, right? Well, when you think about the, the, the wasted time and money that you would spend chasing it around town or... Right going somewhere else and maybe settling for something not as good because it's not in stock, right? All of those issues, certainly Amazon um, has taken that. And and really what you've described is, is the Amazon customer pillars, which is wide selection, low pricing and fast delivery. And so, in fact, Bezos says in one of his letters, I love this. He said, I can't imagine a day that our customers would want less selection, higher prices, and slower delivery. 
And so again, all their focus is on those three areas. Well, I think it's important for you to repeat those three pillars so that our so, hear them. Wide selection, low pricing, and fast delivery. And actually fast delivery. So the first two were incorporated from the very beginning. Fast delivery became a third pillar in the early 2000s. And that was prime you know, membership and free, two-day shipping free and, and those kinds of things that they realized that customers wanted things fast. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, and you hear the stories and I hear them out there. You know, we've heard stories about Amazon introducing hover delivery. Oh yeah. Drone. 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 Delivery. Yep. Drone <laughs> delivery. And, and you also hear people out there that talk about Amazon in a negative light because of how big they've grown. Okay. Yes. And uh, me personally, he's grown that big because of his philosophies, because of his culture and because of his customer uh, focus, his, yes. his, his obsessiveness with his customers. And I yes. think it's important for our listeners to hear because it's not so much about what you offer, but it's more about what your customers want, when they want it, at the price that they want it. So when I work with my customers, we talk about not just one product or service, but several revenue streams. It could Correct. evolve around one product or service, but it may be delivered in different ways. You may package it. You may offer value with it, you know, things like that. And that's what Amazon has done. Amazon has taken where he started. Did he start with the books? He did start with books. That was his first. Right. And, and, and the reason was he actually made a list of about 20 different categories of products. And part of what he said with books is the differentiation with books at Amazon is he had unlimited shelf space. He could inventory every book published versus the bookstores who by their very nature have limited inventory of it. They don't have it in stock. You have to order it, et cetera. So that was how he distinguished books and, and started there. And then the second thing was adding music. And the third thing was adding videos and, and, and then, you know, and he always had in his mind, there would be more categories, but books was a good place to start. Right. Right. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I get all of my books from Amazon, whether they're print or digital, you know, I'm yep, part of the, I agree. the Kindle club, you know, or $10 a, a month or whatever. And I can have unlimited books, you know, I'm right. always downloading. I'm always right. downloading my books, you know, right. Somebody um, says something, right. And you go, Oh, I'll take a look at that. <laughs> yeah. And it's really nice. I just, the convenience more than anything is what gets me with Amazon. Yeah. So, we talk about high velocity decision-making. Um, how can that catapult growth through Bezos' two main types of decisions? So, again, one of the tools at Amazon that allows them to be able to grow the way they have is that they actually have very little bureaucracy within Amazon itself. And Bezos talks about high-velocity decision-making as one of the tools or ways that they are able to respond quickly in 2020 
to pivot, to look at new products and services. So he describes two types of decisions. Type one are big bet, bet the company, hard to reverse decisions. And, big, and audacious. Uh, yeah, it could be audacious. It could be, are we going to you know, merge or partner with another company? H- hard to unwind if we decide we don't like it. Right. And he says, there are very few decisions at a company that are type one. And if there is a type one decision, it should be made slowly with lots of data and ultimately with a gut feeling that this is the direction we need to go. He goes on to say what's more common. In fact, the vast majority of decisions at a company are type two and they should be made exactly the opposite quickly with as 70% of the information you wish you had and by small, highly capable teams. And, and what he says is on a type two decision, if you make that decision and, and the way he describes it, if you walk through that door, looking on the other side of that decision and say, I don't like what I'm seeing, you can change. You can either pivot a different direction, or you can just say, no, we're not going to do that. And literally he describes it as walk back through that door with small or little consequences to the business as a whole. And what he says in growth, your question about growth, he says, as businesses get bigger, they tend to take type two decisions into a type one process. So that's when you have, you know, a supervisor, a manager, a regional director, a VP, all having to quote, approve a project versus make a decision, default to action and be willing to change your mind. You know, and, and, and I've heard this before, you know, as far as, you know, if you're going to make, not the, the type one decisions, but the type two decisions, get in, do your problem solving and get out as quickly as you can if it's not the right decision before you end up spending a lot of money. You know, when I work with my clients, we go through a process, a five phase process mm-hmm. you know, of growth. They need to understand this right from the very beginning. You've got the see it stage. So if you're working on, say, introducing a new product or service, you know, something quick, you see it and then you have to prove it. Right. You know, and you can prove it very quickly simply by asking or putting yourself <laughs> in your customer's shoes. Correct. As you said, if Bezos was to walk in and he didn't like what he was saying, seeing, he would just make that decision not to. Okay. Put yep. your, yourself in your customer's shoes. Is this something the customer wants? Have you gotten you know, data that supports it? Then yep. you go on to build it and then you fund it and then you grow it. All right. But that can be done very quickly as far as making those decisions. Yep, but absolutely. Is, is you have to put yourself in your customer shoes. Is this what they really want? Or is it they don't know what they really want? And when they see this, they may see it. You see, um, yep. it's the same thing with a lot of the new inventions that are coming out. You know, look at Apple, look at everything. You know, the, all of these things, we don't realize the joy we can get out of some of this new technology coming out until it comes out. Right. And then there are those laggards who will wait and see how things go. But then there are those that will jump right on it. So, well, yeah. well, I, And I was going to say, one of the way Amazon tests product ideas mm-hmm. 
is actually a program. I, I think last year, maybe year before they started with they'll, they put out, here's some product ideas that were, um, were testing. One of them that, that I participated in was a, a small printer that was connected to Alexa that would actually print out your to-do list or your grocery list. If you said to Alexa, Alexa, add milk to my grocery list, would actually print it out on post-it note paper. It was like $149. So the first step was if enough people said, yes, I, I want to buy this, and it got to a certain level, they would actually then start building it, start manufacturing it. So they actually were getting direct customer feedback by people saying, I, I want this enough. I will, I want to pre-order it. Yeah. And only then would they build it. Now, again, that same idea back to what you just said about, do your customers really want it? You know, yeah. will they pay money for it? Right. Not even just say they, yeah, I think that's a cool idea, but uh, would they actually pay money for it? See, and, and me personally, okay, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. Me personally, send it to my phone. I got right. it on my phone. Right. I don't need a piece of paper, right? It's a paper hanging out. <laughs> but then again, that's me. Yeah. That's me, you know. So, and, and, and actually, for me, it was. I was intrigued with the process. So I like to, you know, ex follow through the steps to right. see and learn, okay, what are they learning from this, right? right this process. Right. And, and, you know, the other thing I've, I've wanted to say a little bit in our conversation is I, I want listeners to remember Amazon today is huge. And right. I, I, I suspect some of the, your listeners are going, I'm not Amazon. You know, I'm, I can't do these things, but That's I want you to remember that Bezos started out in his garage on his hands and knees, putting books in packages and driving them to the post office. So keep that in mind that Bezos started like every other business started small, but with ideas that he was willing to invest in over time and I doubt you're going to become another Amazon, yeah. but that doesn't mean you won't become another very successful business. That's exactly it. So you talk in your book about the four key growth cycles that every successful business or company is always intentionally moving through. Yep. Talk about that. And, and they're sort of like your cycles, right? In, in your program, but the four are test, build, accelerate, and scale. And again, the 14 principles then are, are in those different cycles based on where a company is. And I think regardless of what size you are, if you're a bigger company, you're always needing to test ideas, right? We just talked about is the biggest risk not taking enough risk. So you need to be testing and experimenting and inventing. And, and then you need to, with positive results from that, you need to start building it, right? That's where customer obsession, long-term thinking, and then accelerate that growth and then scale and kind of back to your uh, framework, you know, funding and scaling and all those things that would be part of that same, you know, type of process. Well, that's the strategy. That's, you know, that's what you need to think about when you're going into something bigger. Okay. Yeah. If it's just a matter of packaging, you know, or, or realigning or, or something to that effect on your vertical or, or horizontal product lines, you know, service line, 
you know, you might not have to go through as much. But you've right. already got the products and everything. It's just a matter of bundling them. But when you look at growing big or having big visions, if you don't, if you, if you never think big, you're not, and you're not willing to risk failure, chances are you're not going to go anywhere and you're going to end up failing. Right. I agree. So talk about the flywheel. Okay. Yep. So that's in the build cycle and it's called, the principle is called understand your flywheel. And, and the background there real briefly is that, so Jim Collins wrote a book called Good to Great. I suspect is on many, if not most business owners bookshelf somewhere, came out in the fall of 2001. And the chapter eight is called the flywheel and the doom loop. So I go back and just read that chapter to get the detailed explanation. What's important for Amazon is that Bezos invited Collins to an offsite senior leadership team meeting in August of 2001. And they spent the whole day with Collins describing the flywheel and helping the senior leadership team actually sketch out Amazon's flywheel. So the concept of the flywheel is it's big, usually mechanical. We think of that, right? And it's hard to get going. It takes a lot of effort, a lot of energy to get that wheel started moving. But once it starts moving with a little bit of continued push and energy, it keeps going. And that's the concept in business. You know, what are the inputs that your business needs to keep going? And at the center of Amazon's flywheel is growth. That was their key metric, right? They knew, Bezos knew that it's kind of like the land rush in the, the old West. We needed to get out there, get our platform, get our name as fast as we possibly can. So fast growth was really key. Well, in order to do that, they needed people coming to the website. So the website had to be the best it could be. And it had to, again, be like we already talked, it had to be easy. It, you know, all those friction points that would slow the f- flywheel down needed to be removed. Right. The more customers that came and had a good experience, the more they would talk about it, word of mouth would bring more customers in. That would give Amazon more leverage with manufacturers to be able to get better pricing, which brings more customers in, which increases the word of mouth. And then they added in 2001, third-party marketplace sellers that had products that eventually Amazon literally put on the same page as their own products. That brought more customers, gave them more leverage in terms of manufacturing and pricing, made their marginal costs go down because now you had more people for fixed costs. That makes it cheaper. And that flywheel is still spinning today. Right. And let's talk a little bit about their third-party resellers. This is a way that Amazon had introduced an option for small businesses, micro businesses to get into the retail market. Yes. And a crazy idea. I mean, literally think about a business right now saying, I want my competitors on my website selling their stuff right next to mine. Crazy counterintuitive idea. Mm -hmm. But what Bezos said, and it goes back to what we talked about earlier, customer obsession. What's their pillar? Wide selection, low pricing, fast delivery. Well, wide selection is what Bezos said was if a third-party seller has a product in stock and we don't, 
it's better for the customer. If they have a price that's better than we can get, it's better for the customer. And remember, third-party sellers pay to be on that site. So now Amazon's got another revenue source, back to your earlier comment of multiple revenue sources. Mm -hmm. They have a revenue source and they are maximizing their investment in their logistics and infrastructure, fulfillment centers and delivery and all of that. The cost goes down the more people use it, right? Third-party sellers. And and now small, I mean, there are hundreds of thousands of small businesses and uh, operating today because of that thought process. And let's, you know, we, we, we just talked about Amazon's benefit on something like this. Let's talk about the other side, the retire, <clears throat> the reseller's benefits. Okay. When you think yep. about the marketing machine behind Amazon, the brand behind Amazon. Okay. And you start talking about uh, the, the customer uh, following, that Amazon has, where else would you get that? Right. Say a 30% share. Exactly. And, and, you know, I mean, the, the concept is third-party sellers don't have to do that. That's their choice. Yeah. They could build their own website and try and do everything that Amazon has done. But frankly, for many, that's uh, in today's world, right? right now, 25 years ago, that might have been possible today's world, much, much harder than ever. Is it worth piggybacking on Amazon in order to get access to what they have built? And I think that's the question for those third party uh, merchants right. to decide where what makes most sense well, and I, building out the infrastructure for just delivering. Right. Yeah. And I've worked with um, clients in the food, the food packaging, food delivery, you know, uh, right. end of things. And a lot of times when they want to get into the big market stores, such as Publix, Winn-Dixie, you know, right. Dixie Wiggly, wherever you are, okay, when they want to get in there, the first things that are asked is, is it available? Is your product available on Amazon? Right. Because if it is, they look at that as a value to them. Right. So they don't have to market as hard. As hard, right. Yeah. So, yep. you know, there's a there's many benefits that Amazon brings to the small micro business owner, whether exactly. they're selling or selling a, an, a unique product or whatever. And, and I think it's important too to really remember Amazon's customer obsession. So yep. if, if you're a small business and you're not treating the customers that buy on Amazon from you, yeah. the way Amazon thinks they should be treated, then that, that can be a problem, right? Yeah. So you hear stories of yeah. getting kicked off the platform and, and those kinds of things. So just keep that in mind that customer obsession at Amazon goes through everything that they do, third-party sellers included. That's when we start talking about culture and we talk about that culture carrying through in your partnerships, in, in operations, everything. And that Correct. culture of customer first or customer obsession has to be observed. I feel very comfortable when I go in and buy from Amazon because if I don't like it, I know Amazon will back me up if I have to return it. Exactly. You know, and stuff yep. like that. Yep. So 
<laughs> this has been extremely interesting, you know, and, and uh, for the second time around, we covered so much more. <laughs> so I say, we, we, we practice. Now we know what we oh, want to talk yeah, about. We did. So what other words of wisdom can you leave with our listeners here? Well, I, I think principle 14, it's in the scale, is called Believe It's Always Day One. And this is, a, again, a really important concept for Bezos and for Amazon. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he, I mentioned earlier, right, it's day one for the Internet and for Amazon if we execute well. Well, Bezos used some form of that phrase it, as, as a closing for every single one of his shareholder letters. Mm-hmm. It's still day one. It's always day one. And, and it's the idea that. Amazon, as big as they are now, builds in their culture the fact that we think like a startup. Well, we you're don't, still hungry. You're still, hungry. still we, hungry. We don't rest on our laurels. In fact, I think one of the biggest risks to a business is their success because right. there tends to be a um, um, movement or, or uh, uh, inertia that lets them think, oh, we've got this. Right. And that's happened so many times. And and Bezos in his 2016 letter uh, talks about a question he was asked at an all hands meeting, which is, Jeff, what does day two look like? And I really like his answer. Uh, And he basically says, actually, there's a YouTube video you can go look at and watch his answer. And he basically says, this is something I've thought a lot about. And he says, day two is stasis, followed by irrelevance followed by painful, excruciating decline, followed by death. Yeah. And he says, it could take 20 years. But again, think about BlackBerry and Blockbuster and Kodak and Mm -hmm. Borders and CompUSA and, you know, lots of different companies that have been very successful and are no longer here because they started that painful, excruciating decline. Um, And then he goes on to say, I'm interested in how you fend off day two. And he he talks about four, he calls it a starter pack for remaining day one. And um, I'm going to look here to make sure I get them right. Day one defense, customer obsession, we talked about. Mm -hmm. A skeptical view of proxies. So proxies for Bezos are processes and procedures that ultimately don't serve the customer. So those are somewhat tied together. You know, that's that customer service person who said, that's not our procedure, right? Or I can't do that or any of those kinds of things. So skeptical view of proxies, the eager adoption of external trends. And I I think that one to me is hard sometimes, really important and often hard. And and then the final one is high velocity decision-making, which we did talk about. But eager adoption of external trends, be that machine learning or drones or, you know, whatever it is in your industry, not trying to push that off as, oh, no, I'm not going to worry about that now, but eagerly looking into how can we or should we adopt it. So I think those are really interesting ways to remain day one and not slide into that day two thinking. I agree. And I love that thought process because you know, I'm a firm believer, if you cannot keep that momentum from very, from, from day one, throughout the entire life cycle of your business, you are doomed to get to a point where you're at the top of that peak, and you're just going to start going down. 
Agreed. You know, so that that yeah. hunger that you have as a small business owner, you know, and what why you're doing, you know, that's what yeah. the focus is. Why are you doing what you're doing? Right. Okay. Is it for the customer? Is it for yourself? If it, the minute it becomes all about you, is when you start on that decline. Yep. You know. So um. So where can our listeners get your book? So on Amazon, <laughs> as you might suspect, and there's a physical, a Kindle, electronic, and audiobook, depending on what format you um, you like best. Um, and then more information about the book is available at the website, thebezosletters.com. And how can they reach you? Uh, Steve at thebezosletters.com is my email address. And I'm also on LinkedIn, quite active there too. So you should be able to look up Steve Anderson. Might be insurance, maybe more specifically, but even uh, I think the book, you should be able to find me. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, boy, what a, what a show. So that concludes <laughs> our podcast for today. Please leave a review on any of the streaming platforms you're listening to us on. Or go to Charged Up Studios' Facebook page and leave a review there. Charged Up Studio is a product of Marketatomy Academy, the e-learning system designed specifically with the micro-business owner in mind. For more information, go and register for one of our courses uh, at marketatomy.academy. This is Dan Olivo once again for Charged Up Studio. And Steve Anderson, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. And you can always reach us at info at chargedupstudio.com. You can follow us on LinkedIn, on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, and contribute to our platform on Patreon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.